Like mm. that's disgusting. I don't know. Let's test it. Okay, everybody start singing You Could Be Mine from Guns N' Roses right now. Let's go. Larry, is that a mask or an ascot on your neck? It's episode 113 of the TCAP Snoop Podcast. My name is Larry Burden and grounded in relentless optimism, it's Danielle Brostrom and David Noller, the technologist. Also joining us is our guide through the digital learning landscape, Heidi Skodak, and her and one, Evan Obranovic. Before cutting into the meat of the show, I'd like to announce the election results for this week's Moment of Zen. Yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I am changing myself. So with that in mind, let's jump into the topic we've all been so anxious to dig into since we put it off for, I think, almost a month now. Um, <laughs> anxious or excited? <laughs> it could be both. It's kind of tough you know, to tell. It's building anticipation, and that's been a good thing because I have more to say. Yeah, see? Yeah. And really, it, that's the same brain chemistry. Those two, uh, those two emotions. So we're going to go with that. So really, it's um, our pod topic today is um, the potential of learning management systems or LMSs and uh, Brightspace D2L. So I think you know one of the things, one of the reasons I wanted to go into this is because this is a this has a lot of potential, but obviously there are some growing pains that I think we're going to discuss. Um, maybe first, though, I wanted to um, ask Heidi. What is an LMS and why are we kind of going down this road? What was the, what was the thought process? Well, I think the biggest thought process was when we experienced the shutdown with COVID, we had a quick um, turnaround time. I think we had a day's notice, if I remember correctly, to get everything in order and figure out how to communicate with parents and students on getting up and running in the virtual environment. And so um, when Dr. Van Wagner came on, he had a implemented an LMS in Alpina and had experienced that transition to virtual um, very seamlessly, at least as, as seamlessly as you can in a shutdown, and um, really started to talk about the benefits of the learning management system. A learning management system is really designed around um, bringing a few things together, right? It's a comprehensive platform that allows, should allow, at least that's the goal, to allow grades to be entered, um, allow assignments to be posted and graded, and really is a one-stop shop for anything um, virtual, remote, but can also be used in a face-to-face -face format to um, deliver still instructional materials and have a basically a page to go to for information on anything you're doing in the classroom. So I think the idea was around, we have to be flexible enough to be able to allow our students and families to transition from face-to-face to 100% -face to, um, remote and possibly even a hybrid and have a platform that will allow us to do that efficiently. And um, instead of, you know, when we, when we shut down the first time, there were multiple different programs people were using to communicate with parents. And that came back on some of our feedback was if we could have a consistent platform that would really be helpful for students and for families. So now that we have this, where are we at? We, we've decided to, uh, you know, venture down this this pathway. It sounds like a very efficient method for our teachers and our students and parents. Get everybody on one page, and there would be consistency throughout the district. It seems to make sense. 
So where are we at in the rollout? We kind of had to do this relatively quickly in some non-traditional ways because we didn't have our usual summer, we didn't have our usual spring, and we certainly haven't had our usual fall. So where are we at in the rollout and what are some of the successes and hurdles that we've we've uh, experienced? Well, Evan's on here with me. He will, we've been partners, I keep saying partners in crime, but it's been it's been a, a slow rollout for sure, simply because we've had a lot of bumps in the roads. When whenever you're implementing a brand new system um, for a district of ten thousand students, it all always poses. Um, you know, I there's always going to be holdbacks on like you know when are we going to be able to get stuff done. Some of it is based on you know the vendor provider. Some is based on um, that technology piece to make sure our they're talking and I'll probably let Evan, you'd probably be better at answering that piece about the rollout because we really had to step back and analyze, um, you know, what that process will look like. You know, originally we thought we had a lot of training in August, you know, to get people up and running, but the technology pieces were not um, in place yet. So we kind of had to take a pause and now we're approaching it with, here's, um, one or two things that you can do each week to start engaging with your LMS platform, Brightspace, that will take you approximately 20 to 30 minutes to do, even if you were a low tech user, to help dipping our toe in it and, and pacing it out step by step. But Evan, I'll let you um, elaborate on that uh, technology pieces. Yeah, I think unprecedented, you know, in terms of how something gets rolled out is, is the key uh, term or word. Uh, looking at some case studies or examples from other places, you know, they do anywhere from like six months to longer to effectively put something like this into place. We started looking at it really in July for a rollout of our, you know, end of August, uh, September start. So we had high hopes and uh, as all vendors uh, and providers, no matter what, system you're going with always tend to promise the moon. Um, you got to work through all the different issues that you might have because every district's unique, TCAPs especially, in all the systems we do have in place in order to make it work for our students, for our teachers. Uh, and so we found, kind of like Heidi said, there was just quite a few hurdles to get things um, kind of at a, a comfortable place where people felt they had all the, you know, it might have not been the puzzle wasn't put together, but we needed to make sure at least all the puzzle pieces were sitting in front of them. And so that was part of, of the big thing. And so with technology, specifically what that looks like, in my opinion, is, you know, the rosters for those, those staff. Do all the students fit from where they are set up so that the teachers can see them? And we're trying to avoid as much manual work for the teacher's end as possible, right? So how can we get those those syncing elements happening? Same thing with their actual courses. Uh, are the right courses in there? Um, part of it out of everyone's control is the waiting game we had, again, because of the unprecedented times of, of setting those schedules. We typically have those set, um, you know, or at least pretty much solidified in mid-July, end of July, and that was a continuous moving target. I would argue it's still moving. Um, so the, the syncing is even more important and making sure that those systems are talking effectively. So we have our power school student information system and now Brightspace, right, which is the LMS. And we want to take that information and make sure they play nice and 
until we could provide that for our teachers and really have that accurate information and be able to quickly adjust as the information changes, which is the ultimate goal, right? Having kind of a, a nightly or even instantaneous syncing effect where it's like, oh, you made a change here. Let's reflect that so that you can see where that's at. Um, it was a hard uh, uphill battle to, to get things going because understandably it's hard to get someone motivated to get working in something until they feel like it's it's set up. But you got to balance that with a little bit of fortitude in the sense of pushing through, trying to make it work, you know, exploring and, and understanding that it's something new. I guess maybe taking the attitude that I think we often project for our students, right? It's hard doesn't mean it's not worth doing um and so we want that to continue with our with our staff as well but it's a lot coming at them so i think just you know all the factors combined it was a lot of stress and and how they're operating they're coming into a new environment we're not sure if we're going to be face to face for the duration of the year shut down hybrid i mean all these things are floating out and then we throw this new system on them but when it is you know, in a place where people are comfortable and I think we're getting there. And like Heidi said, we're breaking it into small um, editable chunks, right? For them to start to to navigate it. Uh, I think it will become a really useful tool and something that they'll be able to lean on pretty heavily, no matter what mode we're in. And then moving forward, just how we kind of do uh, our content delivery with our students. And I, I would only add to that, that when it becomes valuable, for teachers and they see those links that are happening, which is seems to be we've kind of rounded the corner on some of those um, Google integration tools and stuff with Brightspace, that once they see value in what they are able to do is when you will see that tipping point happen. So um, I think that's true. And I think it's also true that once we get people who were reluctant on board, that's one of the key things. It's one thing to have somebody who has been excited from the beginning, uh, who are advocating, and that's great. But I'll tell you, the, the biggest uh, change we had with going to Google Docs years ago, before Classroom even existed, was when Tack Reddy got on board. He was somebody who resisted for a, a, a while, at least, uh, about doing it, until I sh sat down with him and showed him, here's how it can benefit what you're doing with this particular project. And when Tack got on board, a lot of other people came with him because he was a reluctant user who got brainwashed <laughs> or he got convinced. Um, and so that's the thing is I, I gave a, a talk yesterday with uh, some West Senior High people and I'm talking to them like, you guys know me as a Google Classroom user, but I, I haven't touched Classroom in, in a couple of weeks except for the one thing that it still does way better for my purposes, which is that question module. But I've almost not touched it because we have the Google integration in Brightspace now. And again, it's one thing for me and for Dustin and for some other people who have been advocating for it. But when we get some of those reluctant users and we can pull them aside and, and have them be the examples of, you know, here's a teacher who, who resisted, but now they're on our side too. That can be useful in pulling in um, the rest of those people who are sort of watching and waiting to see how this is going to turn out. And David, I also think some of those customizations that you can make in Brightspace are, are bringing people in as well. Like we've talked about that Google Assignments tool. That's that's huge for people who mm -hmm. want to be able to assign a copy to each student. But some elementary teachers that I've been talking to, they love Seesaw. And they love that kids can take a picture of their work. 
showing them that they can do that within the portfolio tool of Brightspace or showing them that they can do that within the content tab. They just have to show kids how to take that photo. Like, I think the fact that they can customize it a little bit, you know, I don't like that calendar on the homepage. Okay, take it off. Yeah. Um, I want to put a week at a glance on my homepage. Okay, let's do that. They're like, oh, I can do that. Yes, you can. I can put a link to my Bitmoji classroom in the nav bar. Yes, you can. Like the fact that they can have a little bit of excitement, like, oh, this is something I know how to do. Right. I can do that in Brightspace. That gets me excited. And, you know, the tech department has been excellent all the way through this. I mean, if you think about Brightspace and um, getting things to integrate back and forth, Sophie, we know Sophie has done a lot of work on the back end. Um, but even Danielle and David. All and, the work on the back end. And, Sophie has and done Evan. all the work. But it just shows the quality people we have working within TCAPS that are that are really sharing their expertise to try to make it easier for teachers all around. I have this image of Sophie hanging out, out the back window of a car with uh, some lug nuts and a wrench trying to change a tire while the car is traveling down the road. Reefing that is 100% accurate. I think we signed a contract that says, you know, when you re you have to tell me three months before you're leaving because I'm going when you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think we thought that's how last spring was. We're, we're building the airplane while we're flying it. Um, and now we're trying to land it while we're still building it. So we're coming no, in, but no landing gear has been put on it yet. But, trying yeah, to get to cruising altitude. Well, it sounds like slowly we're getting there, and it, it sounds. It seems to me that as we're as we're rolling this out, we're getting pieces and parts kind of in place and working. You know, getting our our tech coaches who have built those trust relationships with the with the teachers up to speed is really important. I think that even. You know, getting the teachers trained is super ideal, but getting our tech coaches really comfortable. Obviously, I'm talking about Danielle and, and uh, David, getting them comfortable with it so that the individual teachers can go to them and they can give them uh, good answers to the questions about how, to, how where we're at in being able to take some of the tools that they're used to using and in, either integrating it or showing where Brightspace actually has it already embedded in. Mm -hmm. And that's where and I think some teachers struggled early on because they thought that since we were using Brightspace, that was all that they were allowed to use. Right. And I think Brightspace is still your vehicle, but sometimes you go camping and you hook on a camper or sometimes you're going biking and you hook on the bike rack. Like you still have to hook things on to your vehicle. I you're love looking at that. Me. I Thanks. love that. You got to hook on your camper and go somewhere else. You know, and I, I wanted to say this too. I'm not in every building, uh, but I know I've gotten responses from people who have said that their administration has been supportive through this process in terms of the understanding that we are at different levels and where I can do something in my classroom because of my level of experience and expertise doesn't mean that the person down the hall can do the same thing. And that because somebody else is ready for for one level that someone else is also that kind of like professional courtesy that's been granted to our staffs um, has been appreciated and it's not necessarily getting out there and being said, but I hear it. Um, and I've said it to my administration that it's something that I've noticed and, and given them a shout out for. So I think that's, I think that's important, especially when, you know, we've got, as we all know, we've got these different levels of expertise, these different levels of comfort with using technology. 
And in any kind of rollout, you're going to have people who are quick and people who are not as. And that it has been treated with a kind of, we, we use the word grace around here, I know, has been reassuring. One of my favorite things is, uh, you know, you get one of those fantasy novels and you have the map in the fantasy novel. I love to pour over over the map. I'm looking at you, David. You know what I'm talking yep. about. So there, there, there are obviously parts of, of this rollout where, you know, there's the sea that says there may be there, there be dragons here yeah. you know, that we might not be ready to go to yet. What are some safe spaces in Brightspace that we're like, OK, we are comfortable, you know, teachers that are listening to this. This is this is a part of Brightspace that bam we've 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 got nailed or we're almost there. What are some what are some safe spots that they can explore? So there's a couple things that I could mention that I I know I talked about yesterday in my presentation to a staff. Uh, one is in the announcements page where you have a a template that's your week at a glance and here's what's coming up for the week, and all you have to do once you do it once is copy and paste and then change the date in the description. And our school has talked about that as a kind of, I don't want to call it a non-negotiable in a threatening way, but like this is the least you should be able to do is put up an announcement that says, here's what we're doing for the week. And I think people saw that yesterday and they're like, yeah, I could I could see that. I hit, click on new announcement. I paste this in. I change the dates and description. Hit save. I'm good. The next thing that I think is an easy step in is to start uh, using the content tab, you can create something on that content page and then use the little menu that says post to course homepage. So that it's just right in the front under the activity feed. And you don't have to guide kids through the content page to say, open this menu and go here and do that. And it can just be a single click. And if they can do that once and see how their kids can get to that just from the homepage without having to go any further into the tool, you know, I think that'll be a reassuring experience of how this is going to work. The next thing for people who are great, who are who are fans of using the Google Suite, is to show them Google Assignments, which is very easy to use. So easy. Um, and once they see that that works automatically, or automagically, as some people say, that's going to be an easy switch. Um, and I think we should mention, too, we've got some great resources on how to use Google Assignments on our EdTech Help site. There's a lot there. And yes. I would mention, Danielle, if you could elaborate on your early elementary kind of packet that you put together, not a packet, but a guide. That was yeah. great. Sure. Thank you. Um, so our early elementary teachers, I know we're kind of struggling. How how do what is what I do with five and six-year-olds? How does that fit into Brightspace? Because I can see how it looks at secondary, but what does it look like for me? So I went in and created a sample course that you could use with a K-1 and just went through step-by-step. Step. Here's how you change the nav bar. Here's how you take everything off the homepage except for that one week at a glance. And just really tried to simplify it and just created a really simple guide so that way if they do that, it would take maybe an hour to set up They've then set up their course. Then all they're doing is their daily work with students after from that point on. And it just really tried to make it simple and clean for those littles. It really sounds like we're making quite a bit of headway as far as getting that tire on the on the car as it's going down the road and getting the landing gear on. And we're 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 actually getting there as far as time too. So I don't want to keep you guys any longer. Is there anything specifically that you'd like to add, Heidi or Evan or or David or Danielle about? 
where we're at with Brightspace that our staff and students and parents might find instructive or helpful? Um, our staff might find it helpful that we are doing office hours in the evening. Um, so there's an elementary one Monday night, there's a um, all grades one on Tuesday, and then there's a secondary one on Wednesday. But you can come to any of the three and ask us specific questions within that half an hour, we can help you out. Yeah, I mean, I think just staying the course and, and understanding that we're continuing to make those adjustments, we're taking all of the feedback, which is a lot uh, good and bad to try and, you know, guide how we're approaching these decisions. So to kind of continue to do that, um, we put together a really helpful team of, of admins, so to speak, for Brightspace by building to help spread the wealth and, and get them to be able to address those needs, you know, in their specific spaces where they have more experience. So, um, you know, really relying there's somebody in every building, you know, they should have hopefully, you know, shared that information that that's what their role is and, and leaning on them and then letting that feed up so that we can continue to kind of make those necessary tweaks and get it working because we do want everyone to use it. We want it to be functional for everyone. The plan is this isn't uh, a one and done. This isn't going away. You know, we want this to be an integrated part of, of how we're kind of teaching and learning moving forward. And I would only add that as a team, we recognize everybody is all in different places and learning levels, just like our kids that we teach every day in class. And that pausing to examine, you know, what that rollout should look like has changed quite a bit since when we started thinking about what bright space would be and what that timeline would look like. So I think just understanding, like from a teacher perspective, especially the time, and that's why kind of we decided to go back and break it down into 20 to 30 minute chunks a week and take baby steps, you know, and if you're further ahead, go, go crazy. If you're all on board, like a dust and worm and is set to go, awesome. We can use, you know, as an early innovator, we can use you as support within, within buildings for sure. And then don't, don't worry about not being the best at understanding Brightspace or the highest tech user that the entry points can be just minimal and that um, there's lots of support from our great technology department to help um, if you need it. Um, and we can cut, I, I mean, isn't it right that you go to people as well who need oh, help? For sure. Yeah. And these days it's uh, through a Google meet often. Uh, there is some side, you know, some side to side work being done, but uh, mostly it's through Google meet, but um, one of the things that I think is instructive for teachers, and you know, I was new to this at the same time everybody else was new to this. And there were times in my classroom where I said to my students, hey guys, we're going to try something and it might not work, but we want to see how this, how this operates. Uh, or, um, hey, I need you to do me a favor. We've used Google Classroom to do this before. I'm going to ask you to try this in a different format and I'm just because I need to see what it looks like. And they're willing to help me through that process. So the students have come along in this as well, knowing that they're part of a new thing. And they've been, they've been actually pretty helpful. And when I need them to be my guinea pigs, I tell them. <laughs> and they're okay with it. So, Danielle, Tech Tool of the Week. Tool of the Week. This week, I want to spotlight the New York Times and their What's Going On in This Graph section. Um, every week they do, um, they look at graphs, maps, and charts directly from the times and they give students some questions around them and they look at things like unemployment or the ages of world leaders, climate threats, 
women's marathoners running times. It's, it's amazing, really in-depth graphs from the New York Times that you can throw up and discuss with students. And um, really, that's a skill that our kids need. They need to be able to know how to take information from these kind of graphics. So I think it's amazing. You can get on a mailing list and they'll send them to you directly every week. It's kind of a phenomenal classroom resource. Thanks, Danielle. Um, tutorials and updates, again, huge plugs for the TCAPS Tech Help site, tons of staff support. There's there's a ton on there, especially involving uh, uh, Brightspace D2L. Uh, again, 24, TCAPS247.com for student and parent support. There's always fun activities there and things to do and learn. And uh, the Technologist with a bevy, a, a veritable bevy of um, tutorials on YouTube. David, did you want to go and talk to any of the... I'm not even really sure. I remember which ones I did. I I think I did three in the last week, and they're they're. I'll tell you what. They're on YouTube on our channel, but they're also on the EdTech Help site, which is available through the TCAPS Cloud. Boy, I think they're on how to evaluate work in uh, D2L and um, Google Classroom, and the benefits of of using each system depending on what it is you need. Go to uh, YouTube Technologist, and you'll you'll find it. So there you go. I'm, they're, they are useful. Uh, in closing, follow us on Facebook at Twitter at TCAPS Loop. At Brostrom DA. At Technologist. At, at Evan Obranovic. At Skodak. Subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, or Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Like the podcast, leave a review on iTunes or wherever else you're listening to it. It helps the, the pod show up on aggregators and algorithms, and it makes us just feel good about ourselves, and we like that. Um, we also love hearing from you. Thanks for listening and inspiring. Danielle got nervous there for a second. I did. <laughs> <laughs>